Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. Welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and in this episode, we're going to talk about pain, chronic pain. Dr. Les Aria is a good friend. He and I met through Dr. Steve Porges, and he is a pain psychologist who, in his 19 years of practice, has co-founded Menda Health, a digital pain recovering platform where he serves as the chief science officer. He specializes in treating things that have fancy names like psychophysiological disorders, functional neurological disorders, psychosomatic disorders, and medically unexplained problems. Why I asked him to come is because of his unique ability to explain chronic pain through the polyvagal lens. I actually heard him speak when we were both invited by Dr. Steve Porges to be guest speakers for a summit. And when I heard him speak, I was like, I've got to bring him on. So here he is. Now, the idea of trauma behind chronic pain may be completely new for you. If you know of mind-body practices, you may have heard about the brain and chronic pain, but in this episode, you will come away with understanding the role of the autonomic nervous system in chronic pain. What is the role of the autonomic nervous system specifically in chronic pain and really in chronic disease? That is the one question this episode will focus on answering for you. So here is what you're going to learn in this episode, how the nervous system acts as a feedback loop the role of safety physiology and threat physiology in those with multiple health symptoms. Microdosing practices of safety. Did you think I was going to say something else about microdosing? No. Microdosing practices of safety and how that is essential to changing the feedback loop. A guided exercise demonstrating how to microdose safety, how practice is the driver of change for the nervous system what a flare-up of chronic pain means, what advice your doctor has been giving you that is wrong when it comes to chronic pain, and what to do instead during a flare-up. And finally, what is the significance of phantom pain? Now, as an inspiration for you, I want to start with a share from Mimi, who is a family doctor who has been in the Biology Trauma Professional Certificate Training Program And this is her initial gut response to learning this information from Dr. Aria about the autonomic nervous system and the trauma behind chronic pain. Immediately following Mimi's share, we will jump right into the interview with Dr. Les and his opening introduction of himself and his background, including one thing we share in common from our past, Loma Linda University. I am a family doc in Northern California. And, um, I'm also, I, I was a 500 hour, uh, yoga teacher trained. And so it like, I, I was trying to bring that into my practice because the chronic pain, the chronic, you know, migraines, anxiety, depression, everything you see every day. And this class, Dr. Amy's class has like kind of closed that gap for me to be able to use my yoga training actually to treat people and see why they're sick and get to the root cause. And it's been so incredibly 
meaningful for me. I thought I was coming in to help my patients, but I've also found that I've helped myself just that, you know, going in and out of chronic pain, uh, chronic, uh, sorry, freeze. Um, and it's been yeah, amazing to be able to bring the techniques. I love them all. Um, you know, I've even started using a vagal nerve stimulator just for myself. Cause I don't even know I'm in freeze, but it just makes you feel so bad and much better after you do it. <laughs> But it's just, yeah, all of this is so relevant to my practice because I see it every day and just trying to convince people it's not you and you're not emotionally, mentally, you know, that's nothing's wrong with you. It's just in your nervous system and it's stored there. And they, they go, oh, you know, the look on their face is like, they're like relieved. Like I'm not judging them. And they're like, oh, you get it. You know, so it's been so incredibly wonderful. We tend to have a very light sense of humor on a very difficult topic, um, whether it's trauma, chronic pain, unexplained medical conditions. So two fun facts. Um, I actually did some training at Loma Linda uh, Medical School. I did my pre-intern, my internship there. And then I got accepted to Rusk Rehab with Dr. John Sarno. But I got scared because I figured I'd get mugged. For those of you, anyone in New York, please forgive me. I'm a naive Californian. I thought I declined New York uh, to go work with Dr. John Sarno. And moving forward, um, working for a large health organization in Northern California, that's where I am. Um, someone said, you're, you're stealing John Sarno's message. Uh, I was newly licensed only a year. This is about a good 20 years ago. And someone said, that's John Sarno's technique. And it was the first time I had a patient become pain-free. This is someone with trauma, someone who was about 79 years old and was basically, um, the physicians that I worked with were pain-boarded physicians, very smart, wonderful, but they were stuck in Descartes' model. They were stuck in, um, I see something on the scan, so therefore this is what you have. It doesn't explain why you got it. It doesn't, I love uh, what Dr. Amy has talked. I've heard your talks on YouTube and, and lectures um, endlessly where you really say, send a great message. In medical school, we tend to forget about something called a feedback loop called the nervous system. And you've talked endlessly about it. And I agree with you. And I think that's a big missing component. Dynamic is it? It's not linear. It's um, bi-directional. It, there's a loop to this, right? I want everyone to write this word down or the sentence down and maybe it'll, and then chew on it as you're brushing your teeth or as you're sipping your tea. You're not responsible for what shows up. Those negative thoughts, those punishing raw emotions, that physical sensations that puts us into that state of freeze or dorsal vagal or shutdown and dissociation at a severe level, or the flare-ups we might feel to the point where you cannot move or you're in a migraine uh, state. So you're not responsible for what shows up, but you are responsible to how you show up to what showed up. And that's the dynamic of the healing is in that moment when you notice a difficult thought, difficult emotion, or a physical sensation, you have about 90 seconds to engage the brain for retraining. Um, my real kids, because uh, I have my, I talk to my mind and body like kiddos. And so my real kids, I it's always a teaching moment. So at the worst moment when you're triggered, it is an opportunity to retrain the brain, uh, the mind, the body, and into a state of safety. But it's what you do in that moment. And this work comes out of Dr. Jill Bolton-Taylor, Harvard University trained neuroscientist. 
and basically found out that if you can just surf, just surf, surf your emotions or thoughts or sensations just for 90 seconds, you will start to engage in what we call desensitization. But the average person like me and everyone, we just want the symptoms to go away. But what you're failing to recognize is that the treatment here, the dynamic healing part is to create safety in micro doses. And that's real important. So that's the first thing I wanted to mention was, you're not responsible for what shows up, but you are responsible to how you show up to what showed up. And that requires skills and training, such as what Dr. Amy teaches. The second thing I wanted to emphasize is the nervous system and the immune system. I want you to picture this. Um, this came about when my mom, my mom visits me frequently. And when she does visit me, she's always commenting on why I have, I like my place neat and clean. So very limited furniture, like Zen style. She thinks I'm moving out all the time. So um, I have a glass table and it dawned on me that the nervous system is like a tablecloth. So watch this. It's a metaphor. Think of the dining table you have. It doesn't matter what's round or rectangle. It doesn't quite matter. That's your body. Now throw a tablecloth over it, that's your nervous system. Now watch this. Now, when the nervous system is in a state of threat, your threat physiology, when you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're going down the ladder, you're in the freeze response. And if you can't get out of that freeze response, biologically we shift into that shutdown, right? That really part where it gets dark and everything is, nothing is gonna work. It feels like it, there's a sense of hopelessness. So think of the tablecloth as the nervous system. Now, the next time you do this, grab your tablecloth in the middle and start pulling it up. And when you pull it up, look at the corners because those are the specialists you've seen. Those are the different body systems that you will go see a neurologist for or a gynecologist for, an endocrinologist or a psychiatrist. You'll go see different specialists because if you drop the, if you drop the tablecloth and create a sense of safety, all biological systems go to rest. And so with that said, my third message is this is microdosing practices of safety. And I'd love to, Dr. Amy, I'd love to kind of do um, kind of a fun, simple exercise, maybe take three, three, it'll take nothing but just a few seconds to do this, uh, to show people to create a microdosing of how to kind of shift into physiology of state of safety. Uh, like that, as opposed to forcing yourself to go into a state of safety. Um, would that be okay if I just taught that real quickly? Love that. All right. I'm going to lift my hands up. You can let your hands rest below your shoulders, but we're going to work with your hands. And this technique is not mine. Uh, credit goes to Jinsen Jujitsu. It's a Japanese style of two to 300 years ago of teaching. This is a fast way to get breath work, mindfulness, and somatic experience laced in one intervention. So I call it the, uh, instead of calling it Jin Sen Jiu Jitsu, I call it the finger squeeze. So it goes something like this. When, I, when you're doing this, so here are the instructions, really simple. If you're feeling body tension right now, if you're anxious like me, um, and so what you wanna do is when you breathe in, squeeze the thumb, take a breath in, pause. And as you breathe out, notice what happens to your body. Now, as you breathe out, try to breathe out through your pursed lips. Let's do it one more time. Breathing in, squeeze and hold. And as you breathe out, try to let that body go. Let's do it one more time. Breathing in, squeeze and hold. And as you breathe out, feel that sinking, melting, letting go breath. 
Now, this is what you would do the moment you notice a difficult thought, difficult emotion, or physical sensation start to dominate you. That threat physiology goes up, and you have 90 seconds to be able to intervene with a micro skill, and you do three breaths with each finger. And if you're still feeling a sensation that you're not able to get some distance from, not to get rid of, to get some distance, then you do it with the other hands. The goal here is to create microdosing safety physiology. And the goal is to do it over and over again because practice is the drive changer of the nervous system. The wisdom that Dr. Arya just dropped there is gold. I could do a whole podcast episode just on that. Practice is the drive changer of the nervous system. He has actually dropped a lot of gold. And so I just want to pause and point out those things that you need to understand before Dr. Arya will start talking about the sympathetic and dorsal vagal states and this thing called the freeze response. I want to revisit the analogy he shared of how the nervous system is the root really of all of our physical health. And it explains the biology of trauma perfectly. This lens that unresolved stored trauma responses affect our biology, all of our biology. It explains why we get sick and not even be consciously aware that it has anything to do with our life experiences and unresolved stored trauma. Our body is like a dining table and our nervous system is the tablecloth covering it. We experience a trauma, which again is not the event, but how our body responded to that event. We are going to dive deep into that as soon as we jump back into the interview, but it changes that tablecloth. I like to describe it as it changes the color of the tablecloth. It goes from white, perhaps, to red and then blue. Pick whatever colors you want, but blue for me represents the dorsal vagal where the freeze responds and red, the sympathetic. It's not white anymore. And if it's not white, it looks different. We're going to set the table differently. We're going to decorate the table very differently depending on the color. That is how the autonomic nervous system works. It determines how our body operates. It decides how our body is going to survive, not just, will it be alive? Yes. But how is it surviving? Is it in a state of calm aliveness or is it in the red and the sympathetic, or is it in the collapse and this scared still state that we're going to talk about? And so as we look back at our life, we are not looking for events. Instead, we are looking for those experiences of overwhelm that would have started to change the color of the tablecloth. Take it out of the operating mode of safety to one of danger or stress and so much danger that my body has collapsed, has gone still. You are looking for moments in your life when you felt something was too much too fast or too little for too long. And these are the moments that we didn't resolve or complete at that time and they've started to affect our autonomic nervous system. They've started to create the patterns that then lead to health issues down the road. Multiple health issues, in fact, sleep problems, digestive system problems, pain, anxiety, depression, all of it, all of it, because the autonomic nervous system is the tablecloth that affects all of our biology and how each cell is operating. And so through the biology of trauma lens, we learned that addressing stored trauma requires more than just talking, more than just changing our thoughts. We have to create a felt sense of safety, like Dr. Arya talked about. I cannot tell you how many people have started my foundational journey, which is where I guide you through the exact steps to create a felt sense of safety. 
starting with the 21 day journey of somatic practices. And then another 21 days of the somatic parts work, we learn to create safety, create safety, not just wait for it or expect others to create it for us. And inevitably halfway through the initial 21 days, people start saying, I had no idea. I didn't feel safe in my body. You see, our brain is so good at telling us how we should feel that we aren't actually hearing what our body has to say about it. We are a world of people who don't actually feel safe in our body. Our body does not feel safe in our home, our work, our relationships, or our world. The biology of trauma lens informs us that we have to start with creating a felt sense of safety in our body to give ourselves a fighting chance to change how our bodies have become sick from unresolved stored trauma. Until we change the color of the tablecloth, it won't change the how of how our body gets us through every day. A key principle of this process to creating a sense of safety is what Dr. Les Arya mentioned, microdosing practices of safety. These are small, regular actions. How I apply this principle is in the foundational journey. I lead you through the journey with 10 minutes of guided exercises every day. Even on the weekends? Yes, even on the weekends. Every day? Yes, every day. Even when I'm busy? Especially when you're busy and stressed. Many times we have looked for and thought that only the big things are worth our time and money. And that is why many still find themselves stuck. We haven't learned how to start with microdosing safety which is ultimately the only thing that will change the color of our tablecloth and not just be a temporary change in the tablecloth, but it's going to go back to its default color. Now, the last piece that I want to highlight from what Dr. Les shared is the element of personal responsibility. He said it so perfectly. You aren't responsible for what shows up, but you are responsible to how you show up to what showed up. Let me say that one more time. You aren't responsible for what shows up. It's stored. It will come up. We have triggers, but you are responsible to how you show up to what shows up. And this aligns perfectly with my agreement. Number three from the foundational journey. There are five agreements in the foundational journey. Agreement number three is personal responsibility. Now, if we didn't have tools, how could be, how could we be responsible? When we learn that we do have tools, we do have something that we can learn how to do. I can learn how to create a sense of safety and shift the state of my nervous system out of this trigger within 90 seconds and create some distance, some space from this overwhelming emotion or thought. We become responsible for doing that. As I teach, we are the ones that we have been waiting for. No one is going to come and save you, us, because at this point, now that we are adults, all of this is within us, both what is stored inside of us and both our ability to tap into our healing potential. It's all within us. And so you, me, like we get to give ourselves this gift. This is a gift we get to give ourselves. We get to give ourselves this gift of learning tools so that we can become the ones that we have been waiting for and really who our body needs to safely guide it out of fear, insecurity, inflammation, chronic pain, sleeplessness, and 
scared stiff. Speaking of scared stiff, let's get back to Dr. Les because that is exactly what he is going to teach on next. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, sorry. with the dorsal vagal response, um, just to kind of give everyone back up, um, when we cannot fight or flee from something, um, and I'm going to basically use the polyvagal theory to explain it, right? Um, when, when the nervous system is always asking one simple question, am I safe or not? And when you cannot fight or flee, that's the sympathetic part. That's the stress response. When we cannot fight or flee, uh, most clinicians think, uh, and I did too many, many moons ago, is that we go straight into dorsal. We don't. We actually go from the stress response or the sympathetic into what we call, um, I call scared stiff, which is the freeze response. And it's kind of like the deer in the headlights. So let's kind of think about this is you you have chronic pain and um, you've had a stressful day the whole week or something more than usual. You got family that comes in. It's usually people, places, and things that fires up and wires up a nervous system, uh, if not social media for that matter. And so when we're fired up and wired up and you have chronic pain, you're in that stress response. And when you notice that um, maybe something as far as a difficult thought or maybe an interaction or a bill or the weather changes all of a sudden, um, your nervous system will pick up any changes. It will drop you down from the stress response, the sympathetic, especially when you cannot fight or flee from what's inside of you, thoughts, emotions, sensations, when something is outside of you, when you cannot fight or flee, and or whomever or whatever is in front of you. That includes emails, texts, and people that we hang out with. So when we cannot fight or flee from something inside, outside, or in between, the next biological level for chronic pain is you'll start to actually have muscle tension and nerve sensitivity that tends to amplify. So that means you're entering into what we call a flare-up and it's starting to become a full-blown flare-up. You notice it, you wake up or you bend down and pick up something and you get that additional stabbing pain. And now it's kind of hanging 10 at a higher level of intensity. So we're going from fight or flight, sympathetic into freeze, and you're noticing like everything is more inflamed. When your brain, when your nervous system cannot get out of that state, doesn't matter why, but it cannot get out of it. Again, maybe it's something inside it. Your brain says, your nervous system says, me no safe. Maybe it's something inside of you, outside of you, or in between. When it cannot get away from that, you go through down to the freeze response, which I call scared stiff about whatever it is you cannot deal with and don't know how to deal with or don't want to deal with because avoidance in chronic pain will amplify pain signals, which we call the threat signals. And when you cannot get out of that freeze response and your, your nervous system still finds it, when you get into the dorsal vagal and it starts off with a huge flare up, we're talking nothing can help. No medication. You go to the emergency room, you sit there for four hours, and then they might tell you to come back again. Or, well, you know, or they might just send you away with some basic medications. You come back again 24 hours. So for chronic pain patients, um, we tend to actually feel the flare up most significantly and we become bedridden in the dorsal vagal. But I want to go one step further. Many of my patients who are in the dorsal vagal response for years end up becoming what we call mental and physical debility. So that's when the doctors don't know what to do. 
And the doctors will say something like uh, the average um, primary care doc, and they do the very best they can. So they basically say, well, I need you to change your lifestyle. I need you to exercise. But when you're in that state of dorsal vagal, any movement flares you up. So one of the things I do with my patient in a dorsal vagal is I tell them to breathe. And as they lay there, I even tell them to do this. And one of my patients said, are you serious? Is that it? I'm like, yeah. Because if you do anything more like doing this, you're going to flare yourself up. So you need to gently bring in sympathetic slowly. And by the way, if everyone would just do this for a second, if you just kind of breathe in and just gently move out to your shoulders with and gently come back in very slowly, don't do it mindlessly, do it mindfully, feel the weight of your hands and then come back in. What you'll notice is this is that's mobility. So when you're in chronic pain and you're in the most severe flare-up, you want to start with the breath and have gentle movement. That moves you up the nervous system ladder into sympathetic and gives you the opportunity to go into what we call ventral vagal or safety. So in chronic pain, flare-ups, stability goes between sympathetic, freeze, and dorsal vagal. And dorsal vagal, if it's there for a long time, depression, dissociation, um, very, very severe. And most important for my patients, debility. They cannot get up and they cannot move. They want to, but they can't. It's almost like the brain says, yeah, we're done with this. I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to take you into a cave so no one will ever harm you again. I think the simple one is fibromyalgia. And um, one of the most important things I do, um, it doesn't matter what kind of pain condition you have. And uh, if I can create a sense of safety, and uh, one of the simplest things I often do is I tell my patients uh, to take breaths before they actually let their feet hit the ground in the morning. And um, we have enough research to show uh, that I do, I use heart rate variability. So it's a measure, it's a biological measure of how healthy a nervous system is, not heart rate, but variability between one beat and the other. And I use that as my measurement and efficacy of how well my treatment is to my patients. And so having people understand their biology uh, is really amazing because it helps them understand that. And so one of the most important things I do is it's that microdosing. So a lot of my patients by time within just two weeks or three weeks, when they learn to create a sense of safety, not just psychological safety, but safety to me is physiological and psychological but it requires you to show up and do some work and uh, and the brain likes habit and the body likes habits. So just a simple breath work um, is not the end all be all, but it's a great way to shift your physiology in micro dosages to uh, throughout the day. And then within two weeks, when people can just start to notice, I'll give you an example. So like right now, is your breath, are you holding your breath? Is it shallow? If it is, then intentionally take five breaths. And it starts just as simple as that, because at that point, in that moment, you're creating safety physiology. It's like saving um, $20 and because you want to go to Hawaii. And at some point, you'll get that investment and that return. So that's okay. it. Let's unpack a crucial concept that Dr. Les Ariad touched upon. The scared stiff or freeze response in chronic pain. When faced with a threat, our body typically first goes into fight or flight mode that is called sympathetic and a state of our nervous system, which is characterized by high energy and taking action. But when neither option is viable, meaning fight or running away, taking action, when taking action 
does not seem to be in our best interest, whether because of things outside of us or things within us, our own body, our own thoughts that block us from taking action with whatever it is. But when we're not able to take action, then that is the freeze response. And this scared stiff comes into play. It's akin to a deer caught in the headlights, immobilized by overwhelm. Through the lens of the biology of trauma, that moment of being immobilized by overwhelm is necessary for the body to experience a trauma because that is part of the body's trauma response. Well, our body can have had so many moments of this state of being scared stiff and immobilized by overwhelm that it gets now triggered by everything and anything, even small things now. In chronic pain specifically, this response can be triggered by various factors, a stressful day, challenging family interaction, a hard conversation that I need to have, but I'm trying to avoid, but that's creating the internal stress, even a sudden change in weather, travel, our nervous system, always on the lookout for safety, sees threat everywhere. And it automatically goes into that place of immobilized by overwhelm, creating the heightening muscle tension, nerve sensitivity, neuroinflammation, which is microinflammation in and around the nervous system. This is all what is part of a chronic pain flare-up. Now, being scared stiff is more than just a metaphor. In this state, the autonomic nervous system is saying not only that I am not safe, it's a deeper level of overwhelm, insecurity, and I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't know if I have what it takes to survive this. And this may not be something physical. It may be something existential. It may be the shame inside of me. I don't know if I have what it takes to survive this shame. I don't know if I have what it takes to survive this defeat that I feel. This is what causes the scared stiff, that state that, that leads to an amplification of pain signals and is often associated with an avoidance or inability to confront the issue consciously. It would be too hard for me to actually acknowledge that I feel such deep shame, which only compounds the manifestation of the pain in a physical way. Navigating this freeze response is key in understanding the biology of trauma. It's about recognizing that our body has been experiencing a complete lack of safety and learning how to give the body what it needs. It may seem counterintuitive if you've never worked with your freeze and dorsal vagal responses before, but actually where we need to be able to go eventually is feeling it and surrendering to it to move through it and actually let it complete. That is what we need to be able to do is have it complete so that it can unravel its pathways that it has created and rewire new neural pathways that don't immediately go to that place of insecurity, overwhelm, and inflammation. How do you learn how to do that? Well, you have to start with what Dr. Les Arias said around creating micro doses of safety. I do this through somatic practices, somatic referring to the body rather than just working with the mind and our thoughts. And so to have the healing, we have to show up and do the work. We haven't been taught how to create microdoses of safety for the, the better, let alone being able to actually feel and surrender to this high fear that it scares us into immobilization. 
to have the healing, we have to show up and do the work. We haven't been taught how to. We haven't been taught how to create microdoses of safety for ourselves, let alone be able to actually feel it and surrender to this high fear that it has scared us so bad it immobilizes us. And so to learn how to do that is the work that we get to show up for. I even now have 80, 90, 94-year-olds taking my foundational journey to learn how to do this. And the freedom that they are starting to experience, and you see it in their face, you see it in their body, this freedom of their body and emotions is absolutely beautiful to watch as they start to create microdoses of safety for themselves that allows them to move into this deeper work of working with their freeze response and actually moving through and completing freeze responses for tapping into their healing potential. Dr. Arya, you have a story of a phantom. Yeah, the phantom limb, um, just in great brevity here, is that um, I, I'm, David and I are pretty confident in what we do when we treat people to get people into recovery. We don't do pain management, we do pain recovery. Right. Um, recovery. Yeah. And one of the things that I had a patient um, who was struggling with um, basically a wonderful human being um, in my books, but uh, just one of those scary individuals with lots of tattoos um, and swastika. And he did not know he was going to see me. And uh, let me tell you this. When he saw me, he goes, yeah, I can't see you. Now, mind you, no one wanted to help him. And I'm always willing to take the neighborhood puppy or the kitten or whatever it is. And so, and um, I told him that if he'd give me a chance, maybe we could see something change. Uh, he was highly addicted on uh, narco and um, he was highly stressed, as David would say, um, highly stressed. Um, he was taking about 22 narcos a day. So there was a, an abuse that was going on. And so I told him I couldn't see him until he got that resolved. Um, for whatever reason, this phantom pain was getting out of hand. And by the time I saw him, he agreed to cut it into half and I started to work with him. And here's what I did with him. So, so, so Les, can you explain honestly really clear what phantom limb pain is? I mean, we, they sort of know they've heard the term, but sure. he lost his leg from a gunshot wound, right? Yeah, from gunshot wound and also um, in a car accident that was all in one. And basically the leg got severed and phantom limb pain is basically when the brain believes the limb is still there. So he does not have, for example, his left leg below the knee amputation and uh, there's no leg there. A lot of our veterans who come back from war actually do experience this and people with certain um, uh, motor vehicle accidents. So you lose the limb or arm and the brain still believes the pathways are still there. And his thing was that he felt like his ankles were being twisted up. Um, so there was a memory there, a trauma memory, but that was not really the cause of his. Um, and uh, it wasn't so much the dependence, but he was using these substances to mask his trauma. So here's where it came down to. I, I reached an, a, a wall and my interventions were not working. So I had to switch to trauma therapy and I used a technique called accelerated resolution therapy. It's a form of EMDR and basically went back into his childhood and found out that, that he had some real severe um, dispositions, uh, developmental um, adverse experiences, ACE, high ACE score. And ultimately is we dismantled that uh, in 90 minutes and thereafter he started to actually feel less pain. And so the message there is this is, um, doctors, therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, they're wonderful. They're wonderful human beings. Whenever uh, pain does not improve, 
I actually send them to a specialist, such as a trauma specialist, and to dismantle that nervous system that's created the habit. And in doing so, they're able to move forward into a greater state of safety. And what you doing now? How's you doing now? Is um, oh, that's right. It's great. Um, just to let everyone know, thanks, David. Um, he's an addiction counselor. He's been um, alcohol-free, drug-free for two years. Um, he has a young family. And he said he's going to raise his kids differently than the way he was raised. So it's a wonderful gift. Yeah, the part about the story that caught my attention, he was became a very tough background, who just was running rampant through the Kaiser system, very aggressive, very verbally abusive, just really abusive to his family. And again, your brain's offline. And when his brain came back online, I talked to him a couple of times just for my own information. And he was he's incredible, warm, glowing, family changes. I mean, again. Yeah. You know, with phantom pain, the leg is gone. The leg is gone. So where's the pain? It's in your nervous system. It's in your body. And so by, again, changing the whole paradigm of the physiology and the brain back online, um, these stories are not unusual. <clears throat> these have, Once people cross that threshold of healing, their brain changes, their body changes, everything changes. So again, I'm a, I'll just remind people, I have 17 different symptoms mental and physical for 15 solid years. So how can that be? And again, it's the body's physiology, the body chemistry makes a huge difference. Safety versus threat is a huge difference in your body's chemical composition. We start with safety and to steal Dr. Arya's term, microdosing safety. And that's why we teach the exercises in that 21 day journey. And we start with safety exercises so that people have the tools in the moment to be able to bring themselves back to that felt sense of safety when they realize they've lost it. There's no expectation that they're going to be able to stay there all day from the very beginning. That's not the expectation. It's being able to bring in those moments. We talked about creating moments of safety that they may not have experienced for a very long time, if ever, given how early their dysregulation and their nervous system may have started. So. Very timely conversation. Where has this safety piece come in for you in creating the micro moments of safety? For me, it starts the moment my eyes open up. And um, just, to sh- um, just to share a little piece of me, when someone a long time ago suggested, uh, they didn't use the word safety, but they told me to breathe slowly, it actually made everything worse. And so I found out that um, when I was, when I had, I only practiced when I only practiced when I was feeling bad and it's kind of like loving someone only once a year, like on Valentine's and, uh, and the rest of the year, not even doing anything. So I found out that my safety begins just in the pleasantness in the morning when I wake up to be able to just to feel my body, regardless of how it shows up. And I found out that um, when I try too hard. So I use more of positive feelings, such as when I notice the gentle breeze, I practice safety physiology right there. When I see, I love seeing babies for whatever reason. Um, I love when I see a toddler kind of smiling, giggle. In that moment, I actually notice and then come back home and feel where I feel that sensation in my body. In that moment, I drop into my breath with that pleasant sensation, whether it's sight, smell, taste, sound. So that's where it starts for me. And then I do my breath work, meditation. And to let you know, is on a regular basis, my safety physiology simply starts in doing those minor, minor things. For example, before coming on, I just took a sip of tea. In that moment, 
anytime I feel something pleasant, I'm actually trying to take a snapshot of it because that's what I'm investing in. And intensely creating those moments that then you can like create the the memory and record the memory of that in your nervous system. Beautifully said. Yes. We're really not just talking about chronic pain here. We're talking about chronic disease that is inflammation metabolic based. And the driver of that is the nervous system. And so when we can change our physiology into a safety physiology and using the tools um, showing up to do the work, like Dr. Arya says, right? You have to show up to do the work to create that, but then that's what actually can change your whole physiology into a safety physiology rather than a threat physiology. And the difference shows up in your physical health, your energy, your conditions. And, and that's so empowering to see, oh my goodness, like I, I can do so much when it hasn't felt like I've been able to do anything. I felt like I'm at the mercy of the system but realizing that we have so much that we can do to shift our own physiology into that safety physiology. And so with that, we have come to the end. Thank you for joining me for this episode on the trauma behind chronic pain and answering the question, what is the role of the autonomic nervous system in chronic pain? It's so important to continue these conversations so those with chronic pain can have other knowledge and tools to help them on their healing journey. This polyvagal lens on chronic pain and really any chronic disease, when we consider the tablecloth analogy, shifts the paradigm into a whole new world of possibilities. To summarize what we've covered in this episode, Dr. Les highlighted how chronic pain gets to be chronic and how the first step we can take are these tiny and frequent micro doses of safety to shift our biology. Only in this way can we become responsible for how we show up to what shows up. We have to learn these things because we've never been taught before and thus be able to do what we have never been able to do before. It's all about showing up and doing the work one microdose at a time and powerful shifts happen. What I call the magic starts to happen. I call it magic because it is something we aren't even controlling or directing. It's us giving our body what it needs and it can often take it from there. In the show notes, I will include links to a video and a guide I have on the three different states of the autonomic nervous system that were discussed in this episode. I will also include the link for the foundational journey where you can be guided by yours truly through somatic and parts practices to create micro doses of safety that then start to become your new normal to live in a state of what I call calm aliveness. If you aren't sure why your body's experiencing the physical manifestations of trauma, like chronic pain, I will have the link to my guide explaining what trauma actually is and why you may not have known you have trauma, but your body has a different story. That guide is called Steps to Identify and Heal Trauma. Finally, if you want to learn more on the freeze response, I will include the link to one of the most favorite biology of trauma podcasts still, the one with Dr. Peter Levine, founder of Somatic Experiencing, where he explains more around this freeze response. Until next episode, lots of love. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. 
Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love. Oh,